Hebrews chapter 7. I want to talk about what's so powerful about the gospel. All this year, we tried to focus on how willing, think about that for a minute, how willing and able our God is to save sinners. Hebrews chapter 7. We call the theme this last year for our, for our study as a church, Mighty to Save. Because that's what God is. God is mighty. He is able. He's willing to save anybody and everybody. I'm not willing to do everything and anything somebody asks of me. But God is willing and able to save anybody. You'll ask Him. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 7. I want to read this verse. This is a wonderful scripture. 725, Hebrews 725. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says, Wherefore he, Jesus, is also, sorry, is able also to save them to the uttermost. I liked one person said, From the guttermost to the uttermost, the furthest. He's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Jesus, by him, seeing, <laughs> seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He is able to save. Now, we've learned and we've memorized and prayerfully, I hope you've meditated on 12 amazing scriptures throughout this past year. Do you remember any of them? What's wrong? They're not working? Replace the battery. One of these days are going to do that to me. Are we live? Romans 1.16, we, we, we started with this verse for the year. See if you can help me. Say it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We went on into February. We went on, just how simple it is to get saved. And when Paul and Silas had been beaten and left in prison, ultimately they're brought out, it says this in Acts 16. Read it with me. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. How simple it could be. 2 Peter 3.9, you look at the priority of repentance in salvation. It's the attitude you come to God. Most people think that God and them can do a deal. You don't do deals with God. You come empty-handed. You come totally uh, as a sinner. Not, not partially good, not partially bad, but in need of a Savior. So 2 Peter 3.9 says, say it with me. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should be perished, but that all should come to, to repentance. We're going to try a third one here. That's just the same one as before. It's mm. not working down there. <coughs> yes or no? Yeah. You know, the devil's in the electronics. That's all I can say. Just Let's go on. We got into April. And uh, look what happens when a person gets saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Say it with me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What a wonderful thing. Then in May, we went on to the beauty of the gospel preacher, the person who gives you the gospel, or that you are when you give the gospel. Say it with me. How beautiful upon the mountains are the of him that preacheth, that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. That is a great... Listen, God is, 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 He looks at our feet. Because if you know the gospel, if you know some good news, if you have the truth and you do nothing with it, you're lousy. Amen. But if you will put those feet in motion and go to someone, interrupt them, hand them a gospel track, tell them what it means to be saved, how to be saved, God says, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Then we get into June. Galatians says, say it with me, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ 
by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. How There's nothing more glorious than what happened on the cross. And uh, it is a symbol uh, of, of victory. For most people, they don't even know what it is. They wear it around their neck. They wear tattoos of it. But, you know, I glory in the event of the cross because, man, that's where the world died to me and I died to the world and I live unto him. The glory of the cross in July, the security of our salvation. What good would salvation be if I could lose it, if I could blow it, if I could throw it away? What good would it be because I will have lost it a hundred times by now, if not more? So, look at what he says in John ten twenty eight. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So we come into August and we learn that the Bible is... You can't get saved without a Bible. You've got to read it and believe it. And the Bible says, Being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That book will outlast this planet, folks. That book will outlast the burning of our sun. That book will outlast every star, galaxy, nebula in this universe. Uh, Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It liveth and abideth forever. The importance of the Bible. Then September, two verses long here, but aren't there things that stop us from getting saved? And it's one very small word, it's sin. Let's say it together. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your have separated between you and your God, and your have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And there are things in our life that, that people will hold on to, and they'll end up going to hell. I tell you what, the pleasures of sin are only for a season. Your soul is eternal. I sure wouldn't let anything stop me or stop you from getting saved. Uh, the barriers of salvation we got into October. The goal of the gospel is not just, to, not just for you to pray a prayer. Watch this. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 7, 21. That's the goal of to make me like Jesus, to, to get my life in line with His will. The goal of the gospel. Then November, we learn about the mediator of our salvation. For there is one God and one between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Then this last month, let's see. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. You know, throughout this whole month, we have focused on salvation. We focused on how to get saved, why people don't get saved, where it all began. It began with Jesus. But uh, uh, our first verse will be our last verse. As we go, if you will, to Romans chapter 1. And I want to finish with some thoughts on the power of the gospel. Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, and we will go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Romans 1. Heavenly Father, we bow before you, needing you. Lord, I need you. I need you to help me lift up your son. That's the only thing that will work today, Lord. I cannot expect to impress or motivate anybody, but I can expect... And I can believe that you can prick and break and transform hearts this morning. I'm just going to do my best. I just pray the Holy Spirit this morning would stir in our hearts a joy of salvation or a, a worry about that somebody's not saved. Lord, meet with us this morning. Help us to focus one more time. We always will talk about salvation. We will never have church where we don't talk about Jesus and about his death on the cross. But this year, we've done something wonderful. That's all we've talked about. Would you please help us to remember, going into 2018, the power of the gospel. It may be powerful today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here in Romans, let's read verses 14 to 17. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 14, I am debtor. I owe it both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So much as is in me, as in me is, I am ready. I am, I am, I'm, 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 I'm on edge. I'm, I, I'm so excited to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Why? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, for in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed, not from church to church or good works to good works, but from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now the Apostle Paul here, remember, he was a Jesus-hating, self-righteous, blaspheming Jew, and he loved the gospel. <laughs> His greatest desire was to find somebody who had never heard and tell him about Jesus. That was his greatest life. He said, have you gone over here to Achaia? That's fine. You go there. I'll go where he hasn't been named yet. He loved telling people the message of the gospel. He, here in these verses, he summarizes why he was so passionate. Why he was so active in getting as many people as possible to hear and to believe the gospel. And in these two verses, he says seven things. Look there again in verse 16. He says, number one, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Secondly, he says, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And then he says the best part, to everyone that believeth. That's the best part, amen? To the Jew first, yeah, they get first dibs. They were at first in the line. Jesus came, was born there, preached there, gave them the opportunity to get saved first, amen? But also to the Greek, to the Irish, to the Americans, especially to the Texans. To the Jew first and also the Greek. The fifth thing he says, for therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God. Six, revealed from faith to faith. And seven, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Those, those two verses have seven incredible things it's a whole nother message. I'm just going to focus on the power of the gospel. Now, before we close out this year, I want to make sure it's had the same effect on you as it did on Paul. It has on me. Now, Paul says, first of all, let's settle something here. Let's settle something. Paul says he's not ashamed of something called the gospel. Well, there are plenty of things I'm ashamed of. Uh, and I bet you there's some things that you are ashamed of. If I were to ask you about certain things in your life, you go, I don't want to talk about it. Couldn't. I, I don't want to bring it up. I, I've forgotten about that incident. Uh, I, I'm, I, 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 I'm so sorry that I ever did that. I'm sure you've got times like that that you're ashamed of. Amen. Amen. But there is one thing never to be embarrassed of, to be ashamed of, or to be uncomfortable discussing. What is it? The gospel. The gospel. Think about it. What is the gospel? Well, most everyone thinks they know what it is. A lot of people think that it has something to do with God and with Jesus. Well, you're on the right track, but that's not the gospel yet. Some people think it is a religious story for children and old people. To others, it's only words on a page in an old book at the front of a church. To others, it's just another religious way to keep people under control. But let me tell you, it's really none of the above. The gospel simply is Good news. That's what it means. Now, folks, I don't know. You, uh, uh, you can become uh, addicted to a lot of things. And there are some people who are addicted to news. You can tell who's addicted to news because they're like this all the time. Beat up like we're going to die. It's all over. Trump is going to be reelected. It's awful. Everybody lives on that box and lives listening to the news. Let me tell you, there's some better news, folks. There's some good news, and it's called the gospel. And if you thought about it, the good news starts off with bad news. Did you know that? The good news is a package. It starts off, we're in trouble. Staying in Romans chapter 1, look at verse 18. He says, for the wrath of God is clearly revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Guess what? You say, I got away with such and such back in 1987. You didn't get away with it. God will get you. Oh, nobody found out about... Well, God saw it. And you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble. Serious trouble. 
He says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. They know the truth in unrighteousness. They mock it. You don't know how many houses I've knocked on and I've asked them, Do you have a Bible? Oh, yeah, I got a Bible. Did you ever read it? Not on your life. <laughs> like, what? You have the truth and you hold it in unrighteousness. You treat it like it's rubbish. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God, it's manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood uh, by the things which are made. Even you can understand his eternal power in Godhead so that they are, look at the next two words, without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Go down to verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate, a ruined mind, to do those things which are not convenient. And they end up being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, they know it, that they which commit these things are worthy of death, the wages of sin is they not only do the same, but they watch it on TV and have pleasure in them that do them. They love reality TV. They love anything that shows things that are done in secret and they love it. You know what the gospel says? We're in trouble. The whole world is in trouble with God. People are not stupid. They know inside that they're doing wrong. And you know, no one has a valid excuse for sinning. I don't care. You say, well, you know, I had to lie. Did you? Did you? I bet you didn't. The whole world is in trouble with God. People generally hate their creator. They don't want to honor him. They definitely don't want to be grateful for anything. So they end up facing the judgment of God one day. Look at this. No one is exempt. We read it there. They're without excuse. And you know what's funny? Religious people will fare no better. And I, when I say religious, I mean people who are working their way to heaven. They're doing their best to try, to try to make up for all their sin. But look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever art, thou art that, whoa, sits on their pedestal and go, I'm, I'm religious, I'm good. And you start judging those who are evil. Be careful, those of you who judge another. Thou are only condemning thyself. For thou judge, for that, for thou that judges, doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Paul is specifically dealing with the self-righteous Jew who's looking down on the Gentiles, and he's looking down on people who sin and blatantly sin, and they disobey God, and they reject his, co his, his covenant and his commandments, and they're not grateful. And Paul says, you're just as guilty. He said, well, I thought if I was religious, I'd be okay. No, you'd be religious. All you want is to go straight to hell. You can come to this church every single service. You can hold your Bible up. You can read it aloud. You can pray. You can give. You can sing. You can serve and still go straight to hell. Because religion doesn't save. The power of God is not in your good works. The power of God is in the gospel. So, religious people fare no better than the heathen. And so enters the good news. God loves all sinful people. Go to John chapter 3. <clears throat> Gospel of John chapter 3. Say, Pastor, I know all this. Do you enjoy it? I'd like to remind you of the thrill of the gospel, the joy of telling someone. You know, probably, Gavin, probably half of the crowd in here, not what you mean. Half of us in this room don't really enjoy the gospel simply because we've never told somebody the good news. We hold on to it. We never open our mouths. So the gospel gets old. It gets stale. You know what the good news is? It has to be fresh. It has to be something that you love. Just, 
If you ever led somebody to Christ, if you ever watched it, if you ever, even if you got somebody angry with it, you'd come away going, yes. <laughs> it just has that power. Look at John chapter 3, verse 16. Think of the weight of this word. He says, for God so loved, what kind of world? A sinful world, a wicked world. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. We're already condemned. But that the world through him might be saved. God loves sinful people. Now, we just listed the whole world is in trouble with God. They're all sinners. No one is exempt. Religious people are no better off. And God loves us anyway. That's the good news. When the Bible says all, guess what it means? All. all. Hallelujah. Amen. Even the very, 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 very bad people. Thank God that he loves sinners. He loves sinful people. First Timothy 1.15, Paul says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am. Tishuk. <laughs> I'm chief. Amen. That's right. Number five, Jesus died for all people. He died for all people everywhere. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14. You know, the good news is that Jesus Christ died, that God loves all people. Secondly, that Christ died for all people. Aren't you glad that Christ didn't die just for some elected group? That he chose because he didn't like you and he liked someone else? You better be careful and believe in this thing called Calvinism. That's an abomination to God to sit there and say that God in his sovereignty, decided who was going to be saved and who wasn't. You know what he decided to save? Everybody. Does everybody get saved? No. Well, that means that God wasted his love. Yes, he did. He sure did. He wasted his love because that's what love is. You know what love is? You do things for someone and then they don't appreciate it. And you can still love. Amen? Come on, wise up. Quit believing everything you see on the internet. Amen. Jesus died for all people everywhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. It, it forces us to, to, to this truth because that we thus judge that if one, if Jesus died for all, then how many are dead? How many are spiritually dead? All are dead. And that he died for all, that they which live now, that you and me who are born again, should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. The love of Christ for the lost constrains us to love the lost because Christ died for the lost, not just for a select group, but for all. Take it to another verse. Go to Romans chapter 5. Go back to Romans chapter 5. In verse 18. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Who was the first offender? Adam. So by the offense of Adam, by the breaking of God's law, Adam brought condemnation upon how many people? You believe that all means all? That all means all. Amen. He brought condemnation upon all people. Even so, by the righteousness of one. Who's that one? Jesus, even so, in the same way, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon a few men. Aren't you glad? In the gospel, good news to all. The, uh, it says um, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. I love it. I love it. Jesus died. So next time you look at somebody and say, well, they'll never get saved. Yet Christ died for them. <laughs> Oh, they'll never hear the gospel. They know whatever. I don't care whether they will or they won't. Go tell them anyway. Amen. Give it to them anyway. Because the gospel is good news. People may not appreciate it. People may trash it. People may reject it. I don't care. It's good news that people need to hear. It's good news. Jesus died for all people. Jesus died for, for the person that you think shouldn't go to heaven. Jesus died for the people that you think, oh, for sure they are. No, no, no. Nobody's good enough. We're all under the condemnation of God. 
And he died for all people. Then, I don't know how it's stat back there in three, but that should be five. Now six. His death is sufficient to forgive, save, and, and make ready anybody for eternal life. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. <clears throat> First John chapter 2 and verse, well, start in verse 1. My little children. He's talking to young believers. Not only little bitty children, but he's talking to children in the faith. He says, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. That's an encouragement for us to not sin. And if any man sin, we will. We have an advocate. We call him a defense attorney. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he, Jesus is the propitiation, the full payment for our sins. And by the way, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the select world, right? For the, by the way, I just had to throw that in. By the, for, the, uh, for the sins of the whole world. He's the propitiation. He's the full payment. He's everything you need to walk straight into heaven, right up to God and say, wow. I have no right. I have no ability. I have no secret back door. There is nobody there saying, come up hither, get in this way. No, I go straight into the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. That's it. His death was sufficient to forgive me, to save me, and to make me ready for eternal life. Spend, God, spend eternity with God. With God. And lastly, Jesus invites anyone still breathing. Are you still breathing? The moment you stop breathing, it's too late. Amen. The moment that brain wave goes, boom. <laughs> is the moment that you've waited too long. Jesus advised anyone still breathing to turn from their sins and accept the new life he offers you just by believing it's for you. You know what? I, 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 can't, I can't understand what holds some people back, but I know what held me back. When I sat in church for week after week and I had somebody ask me, are you saved? And I just started playing along. I said, sure, but I didn't know what I was talking about. But as, as, as that preacher preached, what held me back was I didn't really think it was for me. I didn't think that it meant me needed to be saved. When that penny dropped and I realized, I can believe it. I, I, I can take it. He wants me. That was the day. That was the day. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Let me tell you. Say, who are you preaching to this morning? I'm, I, I sometimes, I, I try not to preach for anybody, but sometimes in a message, I really wish I'd, I'd have a church full of lost people. Not that I want you lost, amen. <laughs> but I wish I had a, a crowd of people I could just dangle over hell and say, won't you get saved? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I love this invitation, Jesus. And I... I, I, let me just say this. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto my mother. Is that what Jesus said? Come unto me. All ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, I could use some rest. Oh, I've been shopping all week. <laughs> Not that kind of rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus invites anyone and everyone to drop whatever you're doing. Drop whatever you're trusting. Turn from that and turn to Jesus Christ and say, I need you. That's the good news. I like how somebody summarizes and says, the gospel. See those five, those six letters? God offers sinful people eternal life. That's the gospel. God offers sinful people eternal life. Amen. See, you gotta sell you gotta settle that part first. We're sinful people. And yet God offers, that's the good news. That he gives eternal life. I love that little summary there. I enjoy that. So, like Paul, I'm not ashamed. What are you not ashamed of, Pastor? I'm not ashamed of the gospel message. There is no greater message, there's nothing greater to talk about. I've heard about, I mean, I've been encouraged and I've been embarrassed. And how scared I am of opening my mouth sometimes. I was with a guy who witnessed to at least one person 
every day of his life. He made sure if it was 11 o'clock at night, if he had not had out a gospel track and given his testimony and, and told somebody to be born again, he would run out of the house and try to find somebody to go get it. Every day of his life. Well, we were in an elevator one time, and it was warm, and the guy in the elevator says, sure, it's hot. And the other guy said, it's hotter than hell. <laughs> wow! What courage! Amen? Wow! So he pulls out a gospel track, and the truth and says, give me such courage, man. You know, I, I sometimes find myself going, am I embarrassed of the gospel? I shouldn't be. I'm glad for it. Somebody on a, on a Saturday night was not ashamed of the gospel and looked at three young men sitting in a coffee shop. She said, they need it. And she, as much as we made fun of her and we laughed at her and we tried to throw them back at her, she gave us the gospel. Because she wasn't ashamed of it. I don't want to ever be ashamed either of the gospel message. I'm not ashamed of my Savior. I know he's not so hip like he was in the 60s. Remember everybody saying, I'm dressing like Jesus. You know, the hair's down to here. wonder where the cigarette came from in the Bible. And the drugs and everything else. The hippie message. Most people now only use his name for cursing. Most people think it was a failure. As a loser, as a wimp, as a fake. But I love him. I love him. I wish you realized church is not about us. I wish you came to church because of him. I wish you didn't sit there and say, well, you know, it's Christmas. I don't have time for church. I wish you said, oh, I know it's the New Year's and I'm tired. I wish you just said, I got to be there because I love him, because I'm not ashamed of him. I'm going to drag my mom and my dad, my sister and brother to church because of Jesus. I wish you weren't ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of him. People, when I got saved, I had, I actually, it was a great honor. I was called Jesus Freak. Highest commendation I've ever been called was preacher. <laughs> Maybe I will be. Amen. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of suffering either, by the way. You know, because Paul says in Philippians 3.10, he says that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I'm not ashamed of sometimes being mocked and made fun of and being dissed. They say, distance from. Not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of my insufficiency, by the way. Wow. Insufficiency. You know, think about, um, uh, think of how, how weak and how frail we are. Um, I've, been, I've been mocked as a Christian saying, well, you, that, you just believe that because you need a crutch. Guilty. I need a very big crutch. Amen? Um, I'm glad to say every day of my life, I, I, there's probably one prayer I pray all day long. God, I need you. God, I need help. God, I need you. Why would I do that? Because I do. I'm not ashamed that I do. I'm not ashamed that I don't have the answer sometimes. I'm ashamed most of the time. I'm not ashamed that I just run into a wall and I say, I don't know what to do now. I'm not ashamed of that. You know, when you're a pastor, when you're a dad, you know what you got to give the impression of? You know what to do. Remember that? Your wife says, what do you do? Says, give me two seconds. What do I do? Just two seconds. I'm looking up. I'm not ashamed to say I'm insufficient. I'm not ashamed. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the way I was saved. Some people think they were saved because they were put in some holy water somewhere. They had a sprinkle on maybe the top or the bottom. I don't know how you were sprinkled. Some people think that they got baptized by some special person. Some, some bishop laid hands on them. Or some holy man or some miracle worker. Let me tell you this. I was saved at the side of a kitchen table on my knees crying for the first time in six years. I'm not ashamed of that. I was humiliated. I was broken. I was embarrassed. I had two adults looking at me when he said, you ready to get saved? I said, yes. He said, then do it. And I had no idea what to do except I slid out of my chair and I got on my knees and I just cried out to God. And for the first time in my life, I felt like the light came on. And I felt like something's changed. And I didn't understand it all. I just got up and he says, well, did it work? I went, I think so. It was, I was like, this is awesome. Let's talk some more. It's, I'm not ashamed. Now the earth didn't quake. Lightning didn't strike. But I talked to God 
and I settled my, my sin debt with Him. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the way I got saved. Why didn't you get saved the way you got saved? How did you get saved then? Did you get saved by trusting Jesus Christ? Did you get saved in church? There's some people in this room who've never come out and says, I got saved right in church here. I just never told anybody. Well, you want to be glad. Amen. Tell somebody. You don't have to jump on the chair to swing from the chandelier. You don't have to plug your fingers in the light socket. But you do need to be born again. You ought to be glad. Whatever, whatever, however God had to break you. I told you about a, a friend of my uh, mom's that hit the wife was a was a very devout Christian, and uh, he was a very angry, angry anti-Christian. <laughs> And uh, on Sunday afternoon, uh, Sunday he would drop his wife off at church and then go for a drive in his fancy convertible. And he'd drive for about four or five hours and then come, uh, come, well, yeah, he'd come back because she would go over to somebody's house. And then she'd go to church that night and he would come back and pick her up and then they'd go home. Well, he was so mocking. Anyway, he got out and he went driving out in the West Texas. He would go for hours to drive in that fancy car. <clears throat> and um, he uh, lost control of the car. On a, on a turn on Highway 360, which is a big loop around Austin, Texas. And he went off the edge, and it's like one of those things that had about a 200-foot drop, and his car just boom, 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 all the way down. Well, they had to medevac out, him out of there and got him into the hospital, put him in traction head to toe, uh, uh, trying to keep his bones uh, uh, separated so he wasn't screaming the whole time. And there he is on morphine. His wife hears about it, rushes to the hospital there. Can't talk to him for days because he can't move. He's, he's um, just being totally gingerly. As a matter of fact, after a couple of days, they had to put him on a special type of support uh, of a, of a, of a uh, gurney or whatever that would flip him like a rotisserie, like a chicken you would, you know, in one of those barbecue pits. And every couple hours, they'd flip him over, and then they'd flip him again, and they'd flip him over. And his wife there by his side, and she'd say, you could have died. And he wouldn't say a word. She said, won't you get saved? He wouldn't say a word. And uh, uh, I remember her telling the story as he went there day after day. He was in there for weeks uh, uh, trying to mend some of the bones and some of the breaks. Uh, I don't know how many bones were broken now. But uh, uh, one night about 2 a.m., 2, 3 in the morning or whatever, um, he was in so much pain he called for his wife. He says, get the preacher. Because one of the nights he was sitting there and he was looking up to the sky and he had not talked to God since he was a kid. And he said, God, you win. You caught me. I'm tired of running from you. So he got the, the nurse to call his wife to call the preacher. It came at 3 a.m. The preacher came in there, hair still sticking up and everything. And the preacher says, what's up? He says, I'm ready to get saved. The preacher sat down. What? <laughs> the one person he thought never get saved. He says, I've been running from God since I was 9, 10, 11 years old. And I'm tired of running. God caught me. You know what? I bet you he's glad for that day the way God saved him. You see, that's kind of cruel. It's better to have a broke back than be in hell. Man, I'm not ashamed. You know, if anybody ever asked you, why are you a Christian? You ought to say, really? Sit down. <laughs> Let me tell you how I got saved. Let me tell you about the day. Let me take you to the place. Amen. Never be ashamed of how you got saved. <laughs> Aren't you glad there's some things you were saved from? I'm not ashamed of the friends I lost. I have my own life plans. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I didn't become an astronaut. Glad I got freed from the pleasures of sin, which were only for a season. I was headed for a devil's hell. You know what? I was saved from hell. Amen. And I'm not ashamed to say it. But I'm also not ashamed of what I'm saved to. I'm saved. Saved from is not as good as what a sinner is saved to. Think about it. We're saved unto holiness. Say, I'm not happy. Are you holy? God, God may not have your day today for you to be happy. But God does want you to be holy. God does want to save you unto godliness, into the perfect will of God. You know, for me, I was saved into a life of preaching. Amen. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I was saved to move to Ireland. Amen. I was saved unto a godly wife who's over in Sunday school right now. What I was saved from, I never looked back. Compared to what I got, 
What I'm saved to is far better than what I was saved from. Amen? I am not ashamed to say of what happened in my life because of Jesus Christ and the gospel. Five precious children, six awesome grandchildren, and more. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of everyone else that simply believes. Amen. Now, sometimes I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you know, sometimes Christians do some things that you're like, no. But you know what? They're family. Amen. Not everything Christians do is good or right or spot on. But you know what? They're family. I'll stand with them a whole lot better than I'll stand with the Beyonces and the uh, Michael Jacksons and the... Uh, the politicians and all the powerful people. I don't know all the big names. I wish I knew. No, I don't wish I knew all the big names that I could impress you with. But all the people that you sit in awe of, all the sports people, all the all the people that are powerful, winning the Emmys and winning the uh, um, uh, the praise of men. I tell you what, I'd rather hang with you than anybody else. Amen. I'm not ashamed. What do you do at church? I go to be with people who love God. And I love being with those people. I'm also not ashamed of the faith that I'm called to believe, as foolish as it looks. I've had people at CIT and UCC stand up and mock the, the, the Bible and mock and make fun of anybody that believes a book of fairy tales. They have no idea. I'm not ashamed of the faith that I'm called to believe. I believe in somebody I've never met. I pray to someone I cannot see. I trust him to take care of me better than ever I than ever I could have. And I do it every day of my life. Amen. I'm a fool for Christ. You think it's weird. I'll be weird. Because I know it works. Mm. I've tested what I believe. I believe the King James Bible. You meet Christians go, you still using that old Bible? Foolish? Is that what you're worried? Is that the word you're looking for? <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Not ashamed of this book. Amen. Not ashamed of the King's English. Not ashamed of the fact that I have to study. I have to read it and figure out what does that word mean. Amen. Not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of what I had to go through either. I'm saved. I'm saved nearly as long as uh, Tony and Dean have been married. And I'm not ashamed of all I've had to go through. And what I may have to go through in the future. Listening to Hans. And that operation on his back. And the trouble still going on. Listening to uh, uh, Amanda. Listen to some of you and the stuff that you've gone through. And I go, here, Lord, here I come. <laughs> We're all going to have to go through stuff. Don't be ashamed of it. That's our path, man. That's our journey. Don't be ashamed of what God calls you to go through. Not when God's going with you. And don't be ashamed of all the persecutions that await you if you're trying to live for God. You know how to, you know how to get in trouble? Just do right. Mm. Just do right. Just stay right. Just, just keep preaching right, living right, loving right, doing things right, and everybody will find fault with you. Yes. Amen. Don't be ashamed of it. I know plenty of Christians who just give up after a while. They go, every time I try to do something right, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, amen. Don't be ashamed of it. No Christian should be ashamed of the gospel. Romans chapter 10. Go to Romans. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 11. <clears throat> you know, it's okay to boast of the gospel. I don't boast of anything else. Eric took me out in his 4x4 yesterday. He let me drive. You know what he said at the end? Well, you didn't crash. <laughs> I can boast about that, I guess. But you know what? I can boast about the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him should not, shall not be what? Amen. One of the ways I know somebody really gets saved is they're not embarrassed about it. Amen. He goes on, Romans 5.5. 5, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> Romans 5.5. 5, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you. You know, the hope that we've got, I'm not ashamed of it. Somebody says, where is your Jesus? 
He's coming back. And when you see Him, it won't be good. <laughs> no, no Christian should be ashamed of the Gospel. Paul says, don't be ashamed of me nor of my testimony for the Gospel. I wish I could just go on through there. Are you ashamed of the Gospel? You shouldn't be. Let me get to the point. Why shouldn't you be? Because it's powerful. Because it's powerful. Two final thoughts. Think about how powerful God is. Think about it. I think He's very powerful in His creation. You look at the stars, you look at the universe, you listen to science going, we've discovered a new particle in between the protons and neutrons. and We've discovered a new star. We've discovered a new distance. You know what they're discovering? How awesome God is as Creator. <clears throat> His creative power is amazingly infinite. Consider his intervening power. Think about how God took 75 people out of, out of Canaan down into Egypt and protected them and fed them during a famine and then grew them into a mighty nation. There, yes, they were slaves, but boy, it taught them about dependence upon God and on looking for a Savior. God then brought in Moses and led them out without a battle, without a fight, without a sword or a shield, brought them out through the Red Sea, supplied every need day after day after day after day for 40 years. God has intervening power. Think about His power. Think about His incarnation power. God, almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient, into a little baby. <laughs> Walking on this earth, waiting for time to pass so that He could grow up and be murdered on a cross. The power of the incarnation. How about the power of the resurrection? Taking somebody that's verifiably dead and... Making them alive again. Think about how powerful God is. Think about His executive power. His perfect justice will be executed against all ungodliness. His wrath one day will be unstoppable. That's a powerful God we serve. Well, that powerful God made a cure. It's called salvation. He made a way out for everyone to miss the wrath of God. To escape the justice of God and to be free from the eternal separation from God that awaits everyone that is, uh, that has broken his laws. You know, God's cure is powerful like dynamite is. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen dynamite go off, but it's pretty amazing. Okay? And when the Bible says, and that's what's amazing, is when the guy who invented dynamite, TNT, when he invented dynamite, he, he came, to word, came up with the word dynamite from the word of God. Romans chapter 1, it says, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. And the word power there is dynamos. He said, that's a good word. It's the power of God. And he saw this explosion from, from these chemicals. And, and he went, wow, that's powerful. And he called it dynamite. So when you think of the power of God, think of how powerful we're talking. God made a cure that was powerful, like trinitrotuline, tuluine. Forget about seeking the power uh, to be rich and famous and popular. The power of, of God is able to actually and completely save every filthy, wicked, ungodly, addicted, self-righteous, self-absorbed, egotistical, self-harming, destructive soul that has ever been born. <gasps> Amen. Amen. Now you know why I write out my message. <laughs> it's more powerful than anything you've ever imagined. More powerful, man. You know why it's more powerful? Because it doesn't balance out my sin. You ever seen these balances? Well, you know, I'm trying to be good to balance out my evil. You know what? Even if you could balance out your evil, you're not paying for the evil. You know what the gospel does? It tells me about somebody who paid for everything that I did wrong. And then gave me eternal life. There's no balance out. I have, I have heard of a message and I get to preach a message that pays off our sin and removes the record. You know, think about it. <clears throat> it's, the gospel is more powerful than my entire sin record against me. Maybe your record is shorter than mine. I don't know. But God took that whole thing, all of my sins, and he nailed them to the cross. And they died there. Hallelujah. It's more powerful than all the grip 
and the schemes that my adversary, the devil, can never come up with. Amen. And he's a smart dude. You know, the devil's been watching Leo for 180 years. How old are you now? <laughs> he knows you better than your wife. And all the plans and schemes, he's been around. He's watched every type of human come up, go down. He's watched how human nature is. He's watched what, what breaks them. He watches what catches their eye. He and you think you're going to resist him? Not without the grace of God. Not without the Lord Jesus Christ on your side. Folks, that gospel tells me about, is, is a powerful, that's more power, tells me about a power that's more powerful than his grip and his schemes and his plans and his designs on my life. And believe me, he designs to ruin me. It's more powerful in that he's able to overcome and make up for all of my frailties. Amen. I have a little kid. I used to take my kids driving. I haven't done it with Sarah yet. Where is Sarah? <clears throat> Maybe in Sunday school. I haven't taken Sarah driving in a while. But I always take my kids driving. And so when they were little, I mean, not on the main road, but on a back road or whatever, and I put them on my lap, and they take the wheel like this. <laughs> And I push on the accelerator a little bit, and they go, <laughs> you know, and they're just holding on for life, and they're loving it. But they don't realize my hand's on the bottom of the steering wheel, and I'm holding that thing. We hit a bump, and I got a good grip on it. You know, my frailty is like that little kid trying to guide that big car, just like a kid. I don't know what I'm doing, and it seems so fun, but God's holding everything together. Amen. Because the power of God can make up for my frailties. I don't understand the Bible. I can't put two verses together. I can't memorize. You know, the Lord will make up for all that frailty. Hallelujah. Because that's the gospel. Gospel doesn't require that you be perfect. Doesn't require that you accomplish. Doesn't require that you meet all the satisfaction and all the requirements of perfection. Jesus did. Made up for me is more powerful than anything you've ever imagined. You know, it actually, it actually can clear your conscience. The gospel does. Think about the, the death of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ cleanses us from how much sin? Present tense. Anything I mess with, that blood is still cleansing. Don't you tell me, oh, pastor, I'm so defeated. I fell into sin again. I'm struggling with the same old sin. Yeah. The blood of Jesus Christ makes up for your frailty. Amen, amen, and amen. Get up and let's go further. It's more powerful than you can imagine. It's more powerful than depression, more powerful than guilt, more powerful than all the world's sorrows. It gives joy. Why is it so powerful? Because like I said, it doesn't balance out my bad, my sin. It pays off every sin. Now, how do you, how do you experience such a cure? I already know. Really? Really? Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. First thing, and we're done. Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 2. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 2. For unto us, Speaking the present tense Jews. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them in the Old Testament. But the word preached did not profit them. It wasn't any good for them. Not being mixed with what? In them that heard it. You know, the, the only difference between you and me is I believe this book and you don't. Some of you. You see, I can preach it all day long. You can know it, but you don't believe it. And if you're going to experience the cure of the gospel, you're going to have to mix what God said with believing it. And you put the two of them together, you know what it's just like? It's like mixing nitrogen dioxide with glycerol. Neither of which. Glycerol is sugar. It's sweet. You can drink it. It's non-toxic. Nitrogen, nitrogen dioxide is not harmful to you. It doesn't do anything. It's inert. But you put nitrogen dioxide with glycerol and you mix them together and you get something more powerful than dynamite. That Bible 
does nothing for you. You read it, you close it. You hear it preached, bleh. But you start to believe it, and something goes off. You start to believe it, and you say, you know what, I'm just going to trust God. Today I'm going to pray. First thing I get up, I'm going to cast all my care upon Him. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to listen for His Word. I'm going to listen for His Holy Spirit. I'm going to do it by faith. And all of a sudden, something goes off. And the power of God walks with you through your job. You come home and you forget about it. And you come get ready to bed and you go, I had a good day. Because you mix faith with the word. Amen. Some people say, oh, I, just, I just don't get it. You don't have to get it. But you do have to believe it. And when you believe what God said, it works. Mix God's book with your faith. And the cure works. Dump every last bit of pride. There are a lot of people who, all right, I got saved, but don't ask me to change. <laughs> you know what? Repentance is a desire where you say, you know what? I'm going to believe that book even if it costs me everything. Amen? That's the attitude you need. Everything you used to trust, you need to dump into the rubbish bin. You say, well, I was a good Catholic. Well, stop it. <laughs> Amen? Follow Jesus Christ. Amen. And then accept the person of Jesus as a gift. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You know, I have to be honest. I love what happened to me 37 years ago. I'm glad I'm saved. I, I tell you a secret. I wish I was Pentecostal. You know why? Because I'd love to get saved again. And then again. And then again, I love it. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him, to give them gave he what? Power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Just receive him. Don't, don't, don't look for the Mass. Don't look for the Eucharist. Don't look for the Lord's Supper. Look unto Jesus Christ. Receive him. Just ask for him. Say, God, is Jesus up there? <laughs> I need him down here. I just want to trust him. And then start following him. Amen. You know how your life changes? is when your direction. You know how to become spiritual? Can I tell you a secret? I got, I got a great secret for you. You know how to be spiritual? Spiritual is a direction. It's not an act. When your direction is, I'm just going to do what Jesus did. I'm just going to follow him. I'm just going to love like he did. I'm going to talk like he did. I'm going to do what he did. Your direction is spiritual. And as your direction is right, then your actions will be right. Does that make sense? Isn't that cool? You want to enjoy the cure of the gospel? Follow Jesus. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your friends. Your life will be different. You'll be changed. Guaranteed, you'll be sane. <laughs> now, maybe you'll be poorer. Yeah, amen. Maybe you won't have that fast money coming into your pocket like it used to. Maybe all of the gambling will go away. Maybe, maybe the bills will start piling up because of all the gambling that <laughs> you used to do. But you know what? You may be poorer. Life may be harder. You may be lonelier for a little while. All I have is 80 friends at church now. <laughs> But overall, your life will be sweeter. And it'll only get gooder. This year, I hope and pray you've learned and experienced the reality that God is mighty, He is able, and He's ready to save anybody and everybody. If a Jesus-hating, self-righteous, blaspheming Jew loved the gospel, shouldn't we? Do you believe the good news? Do you believe the world is in trouble because of their sins? Do you believe that no one is exempt from facing Him? Do you believe that religious people are no better off than all the heathen? Do you believe that God loves very, 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 very baddest of people? Do you believe that Christ died for the very, 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 very baddest of people? Do you believe that Jesus' was, death was enough for all sin for all time? That Christ opened the door of heaven? Do you believe all that? Are you ashamed of it? I'm not. I wonder if you've experienced the power of God. <clears throat> the power of God will forgive you. And your wife may never. <laughs> your family may never forgive you. But he's the one to worry about. The power of the gospel 
makes peace between you and God. Cleanses your conscience. Frees you from sin's dominion. And you know what I believe? Gospel save your family. You know, if just one person gets saved, the power of God in that home over the devil. Now the devil, listen, everybody's got a free will. I know all that. But man, I'd rather the power of God in that home than the power of the TV, than the power of the music, than the power of everything else destroying it. I want the power of God in my home. It'll save a home. It'll save a marriage. It'll save your sanity. It'll save your health. You know, if you just got rid of a lot of the guilt and stuff, all the sorrow, all of the past, all the curses, everything pumped, piling down on you at the end of the day the gospel will free you if you have experienced the power of the gospel I mean church ought to be thrilled this message ought to be amen if you haven't enjoyed it if you haven't then I'm going to encourage you today's the day to mix this book with your faith today's the day for you to say you know I'm tired of being a good Catholic tired of being a faker fraud, being a, a, a Baptist in name only or in, 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 in the way that I live on the outside. I'm going to accept the person of Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know he's pastor's Savior. I know he's Leo's Savior. But I want him to be mine. Accept him. And then decide you're going to follow him. Today would be a great day. 2017 would go out with a bang. If you got born again today, will you stand with me in bound prayer? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know, don't normally ask this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Between you and God. But every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Let me just ask you. Have you experienced the power of the gospel to save your lost soul? I'm not saying that, that you've been baptized. I'm not asking whether you've been um, uh become a member of a church or whether you're a good person I said if you've been born again has the power of the gospel changed your life if it has put your hand up and hold it up don't be ashamed nobody's looking what if television was on you what if cameras what if RTE was watching right now recording and your family was going oh, I didn't know hold your hand up high nobody looking around think about it Lord this is a symbol to you 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 saved a wretch like me. And I, just, I, I never want to put my hand down in shame. I want to hold it up high. I want my, my life to be a life that's not ashamed of the gospel. I know what it did for me. And I've got to get back to getting it out and giving it to somebody. Finding somebody who doesn't know and has never heard. You can put your hands down. If you couldn't raise your hand, would you have a bit of courage and say, I need to be saved. I am not born again. Would you pray for me? Would you pray that I settle it today? Is there anybody just put their hand up, put it down, and say, I'm not born again. I couldn't put my hand up there. I, I kind of have always thought Christianity was foolishness. But I realize it's the power of God today. I'm just put up, I'm not, I, this is not going to save you. Putting up your hand doesn't save you. But I will pray for you and I'll talk to you until the cows come home. You'll come talk to me. But anybody in this room say, I am not saved. But I know I need to be. Anybody put your hand up? Say, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not ashamed. I, I wish there were 20 people here who were lost and wanted to be saved. But not. So guess what? We got to go out. Christianity can't be stuck in these four walls. We're going to have to go out and find somebody who hadn't heard and give them a gospel track. Tell them about the power of God that will save them, save their home. Save their marriage. Father, we decide that today. We decided 2017 was a good kick in the pants. It was to get us to realize just how powerful the gospel is and how wide-ranging it is and how good it is. It's good news. Yes, it's packaged with some bad news, but wow, all together, mixing the bad news with the good news all together, it's powerful. Powerful enough to change a hard-hearted person a sinful wretch into a saint of God. Lord, thank you that you began a good work in so many of us. Hmm. Sorry that we drag our heels. We fight you. We don't let the power work. We resist. And we're stupid. Lord, help us to experience the power of God once again in our lives, in our church. May 2018 be a time where the battle is the Lord's. 
may souls be saved. Encourage your people today as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab your hymnal. If I can find a hymnal, is there one I can use? What was anybody give you? 251, please. 251. Almost persuaded. 251. Together on the first. Almost persuaded now to believe. Almost persuaded Christ to receive. Seems now some soul to say, Go, Spirit, go thy way. Some more convenient day on the I'll call. Almost persuaded, come, come today. Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus in to hear angels are feeling near prayers rise from hearts so dear oh wonder come almost persuaded harvest is past almost persuaded Doom comes at last, almost cannot avail, almost is but to fail, sad, sad that bitter will, almost but lost. Almost. I hope that there's nobody almost saved today. Because almost is still lost. Tonight, God's people need to pray. We need to be ready. I can't stay up to midnight. Well, come for an hour. I don't care. Come. We're going to pray. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some food. We need to be ready for whatever 2018 brings. Would you agree that it could go wonky? God's people ought to be ready for whatever the world throws at us. Whatever time and chance and all things the world is worried about, we ought to be ready. And Ireland needs God. We're going to pray tonight for our nation. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for churches. We're going to pray for God's people. We're going to pray. We're also, as I said, it's going to be a time. Uh, we're going to have loads of fun and food, but it'll be a time of prayer and preaching and singing, looking forward to whatever God has in store for us. So come over to the new activity center. You've got to see uh, Eric's new doors. I mean, they're huge. And uh, they, they really do keep out the cold. But um, bring some food, and we're going to bring in 2018 the right way. So I'm going to ask, let's see. Sean's up here on the front. Sean, pray for us as we go home. Again, it starts at 8 o'clock. Don't come here at 6. We won't be here. We're done down at the activity center if you want to come a little early. But uh, come along. Have a lot of fun. It ought to be, it's a family time. Make time for tonight. If you can, if you can at all, please. Let's Sean close us in prayer, please. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the pastor of the Lord and the word that he gives us.